Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. They were not born again Christians. When they asked uh, about their activities over the last 30 days, born again believers were just as likely to visit pornographic websites They were just as likely to take things that didn't belong to them. They were just as likely to consult mediums or psychics. They were just as likely to physically fight or abuse someone, to have consumed enough alcohol to be considered legally drunk, to have used illegal non-prescription drugs, and to have said something to someone that was not true, to get back at someone for something he or she did, and to have said mean things behind another person's back. All of those categories, there was no statistic difference between born-again people and not born-again people. Can you see the problem with this picture? If we have been born again, then that means we should be different. Thanks, Donald. I got some support in the house. If we are born again, it means that we're not the same as we used to be. So I want to preach a message tonight, marks of the second birth, so that we can judge ourselves and we can test ourselves against what the world is doing. Let's read the scripture tonight familiar from John chapter 3, as Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Uh, Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, A rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'd like you to repeat that phrase with me. Most assuredly I say to you, That unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right? Now, I want you to say the word cannot. Say it again. Cannot. Is there any possibility tonight? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's critical tonight. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Everybody say cannot. Any possibility there? Unless one is born of water and Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not 
marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this place, God, and I'm trusting you to speak to your people tonight. I'm praying that the simple truth of the born-again experience would penetrate our hearts tonight. God, it would challenge us to be different from this world which is failing and fading away into destruction. I'm praying tonight that our hearts would be changed and transformed like like the, the way that you have called us to be. And we thank you tonight for the work that you are doing in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. So tonight, it is not enough for us to just name the name of Jesus. This is a world, uh, especially in a Western culture, that we have a history and a tradition of a Judeo-Christian foundation. Here in our nation, in America, we are extremely blessed that this is a nation born in Christian principles. However... In the last 50 years, our nation has taken a dramatic turn. I would no longer describe America as a Christian nation. I'm very sad to say that. But it is, she is no longer a Christian nation. And it is precisely because of the kind of statistics that I just read to you. That people who claim to have born-again status, people who claim to be Christians and believers, people who probably attend church, at least uh, once a week or even once a month, people who have religious background and religious upbringing, the problem is that many people like that are living no differently than people who never go to church, than people who have never proclaimed the name of Jesus. That is a huge problem tonight. If we claim to be Christian, then we must be born again. To be born again means to be a Christian. They are together. The experience of becoming a Christian is precisely the same as being born again, but we don't often see it that way. Many times uh, uh, people get a religious feeling in their heart. They want to go to church. They want to experience the togetherness with other Christians, want to hear a sermon or two, want to say a prayer or two, want to say, I am a Christian, but don't want to be born again don't really truly want to be transformed. And I believe that's a problem in our generation. It's a problem going all the way back to Jesus and his, uh, his conversation he had with this Pharisee named Nicodemus. I want to challenge you tonight. Can you even get to heaven by being religious? I believe tonight that you can go to church a thousand times and still split hell wide open. You know why I believe that? Because that was me. I went to church plenty. I knew what it meant to be be religious and have a Christian flavor to my life and to to be the good boy. But inside my heart, filled with rage and anger, bitterness, unbelief, rebellion, And if I was to die, I could have died sitting in Sunday morning church and I would have been the devil's play toy because I was not right with God. How many know tonight that just going to church doesn't make you a Christian? It's like just going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. Just because you show up and sit in a blue chair doesn't make you a Pentecostal believer. We must be born again. 
And being born again tonight is not something I can produce in you. It's not something even that you can produce in yourself. Think about the first time you were born, the physical birth. (laughs) That's my mom for anybody you don't know. The physical birth was, uh, did you do anything to cause that to happen? No, you were just born. You were just there. The first birth, all you did was participate. And things radically changed, right? In the same way. The second birth, yes, we participate through faith, but it is God who does the work. What I'm saying tonight is that you cannot generate a second birth. You can't do it on your own. A church can't even do it. A priest, a rabbi, a pastor cannot make you born again. Only God, the Spirit of God, can cause you to be changed in a radical way tonight. And so I want to examine with you this evening six ways that being born again is similar to the first birth. Number one, in a birth there is conception. The two parents come together, and as much as the world says... uh, that, uh, that birth can happen by any other way, that man can be, become female and a female can become a male, and that's a bunch of hogwash. I think many of those people need desperate help. We should pray. They're very, very confused. But a child can only enter into the world through the union of a man and a woman together. Who are the parents of a spiritual birth? How is it that a spiritual birth begins? Well, Jesus makes it very specific. It's the union of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Look at John 3, verse 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that is the the Word of God, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1, 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God. Everybody say, Word of God. The Word of God, which lives and abides forever. When the Word of God moves together with the Spirit of God in the womb of faith, something is conceived. New birth takes place. The womb is faith. In a physical birth, there is a space where a miracle takes place, right? In the womb where a a brand new person is conceived and begins to grow that is the physical space but the miracle is happening inside in the same way in the spiritual things the womb is your faith you must believe jesus said that if we're going to receive this new birth you have to believe you have to have faith and trust that christ is who he says he is and in that environment of faith the word of god is combined by the spirit of god And something is conceived in you. Secondly, a birth, there is continuity. In other words, in a natural birth, parents transfer something to their children. Transfer of DNA, transfer of personality, transfer of nature. As much as you might not like it, you are like your mom and your dad. And it's amazing, the older you get, the more you start to repeat the things that they always said to you. Isn't that funny how that works? Have you ever seen a little uh, 8-year-old or a 9-year-old, you see him walking, and you look at him and say, man, that walk is just like his dad. 
I see that in Asher all the time. He starts walking down there. And I say, man, that looks just like Dave. And little spindly legs. I can't believe it. And we look at children and we say, oh, you got your mama's nose. You got your daddy's eyes. There is a continuity from parent to child. Am I right? And so it is in the spiritual birth tonight. If we are born again, let me tell you, the life of God comes into you. You will become like your father in heaven. Do not tell me tonight how you've had a Christian experience if you are not like your father. If you don't have a desire to live holy and righteous for the king. John 10, verse 10. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The reason that we have continuity is because in uh, a new birth, we become like our Heavenly Father. Thirdly, in a birth, there is a character that is produced. In other words, tonight, a natural birth creates a natural person with a natural nature. When we are spiritually born again, we receive a new character of God by our new birth. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What that scripture is describing tonight is it's not just that when you become a Christian, you've added a little nice religion to your life. It's not that you've added a few nice little habits on top of your already great life. No, becoming a Christian and being born again is a new creation. Think about this with me. Becoming a believer, becoming born again, it's not like a tadpole that turns into the frog. It's not that. It is not evolution. When you came into the church and first expressed your faith, it wasn't that you developed into a believer. No. Becoming born again is more like when the princess kisses the frog and magically becomes the prince. It is closer to that than the tadpole slowly and gradually becoming a frog. Are you still with me tonight? If religion hasn't changed your character, you better change your religion. Because godly religion, being born again, will change you. Jesus made the statement in our scripture, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if you have been spiritually born again, if you have experienced that, your nature will change. It doesn't mean that you'll be perfect overnight. It doesn't mean that you sprout angel wings. It doesn't mean that you'll carry a halo over your head. But it does mean that your nature is different. That you'll stop wanting to sin. One of the marks of the new birth tonight is the change of desire. Listen to me carefully tonight. The change of desire. I remember as a, a young man, I came into a church and I noticed immediately when I started praying and i started going to church and getting serious about the things of god the first one of the first things that i noticed was that my mouth changed 
If I said some nasty word or some cuss word or some filthy, and I would notice it. I didn't used to notice it before. But I would notice it, and I'd say, huh, that doesn't sound right. And immediately my desire to speak well changed. It didn't mean that I became, uh, you know, an angel overnight. But it did mean that my desires changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. For that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have you become new tonight? Are you different than you used to be? What kind of things change in your character? First of all, there is a newfound love for your Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who saved you and died for you and shed his blood for you. He is no longer a historical figure up on the shelf to be observed. No, Jesus is a Savior and our Lord. It means I want to know him and I want to serve him. I encourage you to read the account of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, a man who's very religious, a Pharisee of all Pharisees, well learned in the ways of the scriptures, who knew the laws of the Jews, and yet at the same time persecuting the church, persecuting the people of God, killing Christians involved in the destruction of God's people. I think there's probably a few people like that still in the world today. Oh, I've got all the religious degrees and pedigrees and I was raised and I went to Sunday school and and yet at the same time working against God's people. I'm amazed. When we went to Romania, we were out there doing evangelism on the street. We're singing songs and we're talking about Jesus, giving testimonies. We're doing what we can. And you know what's amazing? The average sinner on the street, when they pass us by, you know what they do? They kind of look at us and say, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, a few of them. A few of them will say, hey, what is this? Tell me more. Uh, where is this happening? Where's the address? They'll be inquisitive. But you know what happens when a religious person walks by? When one of those orthodox believers, the ones who cross themselves 50 times a day and light candles and say prayers and give uh, kissing the icons, when they pass by, you know what happens? Rage rises up in them. It happened multiple times. And I've seen it happen in America, too. If we go out and preach on the streets, you know, a run-of-the-mill sinner, they won't care. They might flip the bird and move on. But I want to tell you, who gets really angry? It's the Pharisees. It's the people who have religion but have not been born again. Because true relationship with Jesus exposes the hypocrisy. There's a story about one of Hitler's bodyguards. His name was Kurt Wagner. He was on his way to a bridge to commit suicide. After World War II, his god, Hitler, was gone. His home had been destroyed. His city was in shambles. He was seen by a friend and not knowing what was on Kurt's mind, invited him to go down to the WMCA for a donut and a cup of coffee. Kurt did, and there he found a copy of a Bible tract that said God's simple plan of salvation on a chair. First, he read it with anger, knowing that it had come from the United States. And then he read it again with more interest. 
Then he read it again and again and again, and his heart came under deep conviction. He held it up and called out, Is there anyone here who can help me understand this tract? And there in the YMCA, there was a Methodist minister who heard the plea. He took the tract, explained it to this man, and led Kurt Wagner to the Lord. Kurt went to Bible school and seminary, and he became the pastor of two Methodist churches in the suburbs of Frankfurt. He built a four-story building to take wayward young men off the streets and to reach them for the Lord. That's called conversion. That God can take someone who persecuted and killed the Jews as part of the Nazi army, and he can take a man like that and change his character. Listen, now you might not be involved in murdering people, but every one of us has rebelled against the holy God. Every one of us has broken his laws. Every one of us needs conversion. Listen, what we need is not just a little extra goodness. So much so often that the church is preaching a a false narrative, a false gospel that says, hey, uh, you just add a little Jesus to your life and you'll be much better. You just add a little, a few extra services to your life. You know, don't get so radical. Just come to the church and watch the show and sing the songs and get a little involved, but, and then everything will be better. We treat Jesus like a country club. You just get this, uh, you just get this membership and, you know, we have all these benefits and programs for you. I want to tell you, serving God and being born again is not a country club. When you live for God and you truly do what's right, there will be persecution. There will be challenges. The fourth way that new birth is like the first birth is that in a, in a natural birth, there is a completion. There is growth which results in a baby coming forward. It is a once and for all. In other words... That once a baby is born again, is it, rather, once a baby is born, he doesn't have to, he or she doesn't have to be born a second time, right? It's not like, oh, uh, this one's not done, put him back for a few more weeks. It's not like, uh, okay, we, we didn't try very well this time, Let, let's try it again. You know, I, I just saw in the news that there was, uh, there was uh, the, the, the Christian rapper, I forgot his name, but anyway, he it made the headlines that he was, he was in Israel he, he decided to get baptized in the Jordan River, which is cool. Yeah, go ahead. But the problem is that he had already done that like two years ago. But he's there again, and he says, I just want to be baptized again. And, you know, that's cool. I, I, I respect people's wishes if you want to be baptized. But, but, you know, if you've been baptized, it's once and for all, man. It's like I made the change. I cut off the old life. Being born again is the same way. It's a once and for all experience. It's a one time. If you have been born again, then your life has been changed. There's a completion. The birth is finished, and now the growth begins. And same tonight, it is the same in spiritual birth. No matter what has been in the past, what has, been, what has transpired before, listen, we can continue to grow. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, nor sodomites, thieves, nor covetous, 
drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. We have a long list of bad folks that aren't going to heaven. But let me tell you this. Verse 11 says this. Such were some of you. I love that scripture. I don't use that scripture to beat over the head and say, you are one of those people. You know why? Because when Paul gave us that list, he's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says, such were some of you. Out there in the church, you were on that list, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I love that list. Though you were washed, it means the stain of your previous sin is gone. You've been sanctified. That means that you've been set aside. You've been elevated. You are put to use for the kingdom. You are clean and holy for the kingdom. And then finally, you are justified. Do you know what it means to be justified? If you are justified by the eyes of God, it means that he sees you just as if you had never sinned. He sees you innocent. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. And so even sinners, even fornicators, even idolaters, even adulterers, even homosexuals, even sodomites and thieves and drunkards and revilers and extortioners can be washed, sanctified, and justified. There was a thief hanging on the cross right next to Jesus. And it's a powerful contrast. Jesus hanging on the cross, he doesn't deserve that. He lived a perfect life. But the guy next to him absolutely deserved to be there. was a thief. He had stolen. He had done a lot of wickedness. He deserved to be hanging on that cross. He deserved to die that day. He got what he deserved. But there on the cross, he said, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's amazing to me, Jesus never said, you know, oh, sorry, bud. Uh, it's too late. You know, we don't have time to get down off the cross. And, you know, I can't baptize you, you know, and we can't do all these religious rituals and I can't dress you up right and I can't put a tie on you. So, uh, sorry. No. Right there, hanging on the cross, Jesus is outreaching. What's your excuse? Jesus is in evangelism, hanging on the cross, encouraging people to live for God. And he says, today, you'll be with me paradise a thief on the cross and so we gain hope from that listen the final way tonight that a spiritual birth is like a natural birth is that it results in a growing a growth takes place listen to philippians 1 verse 6 being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of jesus christ this is an interesting scripture to me we should be confident tonight that the work that god is doing did you hear that it's the work that god is doing in you the work that god is doing in your life is not complete he's working on you and he will complete it there is a process We understand that salvation is a miracle of the moment. It is an incredible, born-again transformation. But that's only the beginning. That every day after that first day continues to be an ongoing miracle. I look at my children. Look at them over there. They're growing. They're not the same as they were yesterday or the day before. 
I heard Miss Teresa take a look at Jaylee this morning. And in only the 10 days that we were gone, Miss Teresa said, Jaylee, you got bigger in 10 days. You got taller. You got smarter. You learned things. You're growing. Listen, can I tell a difference in your life from 10 days ago? If you've been born again, I should be able to tell a difference. You should be growing in the Lord. You should be gaining experience and knowledge and wisdom. A baby needs to grow. No matter how old you are physically, we ought to grow spiritually. Somebody say amen tonight. How many of y'all like maple syrup? <laughs> I, heard, I heard elf like Buddy the Elf. But think of the process. There is a process to get maple syrup. You can't just take the stuff that comes out of the trees and pour that on your pancakes. You will be highly, highly disappointed. A maple tree has to be tapped with a little piece of wood that they hammer into the side of the tree. And underneath that tap, it just begins to drip, the maple sap. On a good day, 50 trees will create 30 to 40 gallons of sap. That's a lot. But it is absolutely useless at that moment because there's hardly any sweetness. If you were to take that drop and put it in your mouth, you would go, I put that on my pancakes. But as the buckets begin to fill, 30 to 40 gallons, they are emptied into large bins. Those bins are sitting over an open fire. The sap will come to a boil. As it boils, the water is reduced. The sugar is concentrated. After hours, it begins to develop a rich flavor and that nice golden brown color. But you have to strain it out. You have to remove impurities. It has to be reheated. It has to be bottled. It has to be graded for quality. And in the end, 30 to 40 gallons of sap is reduced down to one gallon of delicious and sweet maple syrup. And if you taste the real deal, next to the cheap imitation sugar water, corn syrup that passes for maple syrup at Walmart, if you taste the two, you will notice immediately the incredible difference. And tonight, it is the same with your faith in Christ. You and I start as the raw, unfinished sap that is dripping, dripping, dripping. We come into the kingdom without much life without much color, without much flavor. And there is a process. God puts that tap. And we begin the refining process. And through the heat and through the refinery and through the impurities being removed, that God is working on you. But I tell you this tonight. You ought to be refined. If it's been a year and your life hasn't changed, there's a problem. If it's been 10 years and that nasty old sap is still there, if you haven't gotten sweeter, if you, your life hasn't gotten more holy and more righteous, something's wrong. There is a certainty. A new birth is a certainty. In other words, the baby, uh, when that child begins to grow, the, the child doesn't wonder to himself, hmm, I wonder if I was ever born. 
if you wonder that, you might need to go to the mental hospital. I wonder if I was born. I wonder if I exist. There's no ambiguity. It's certain. You've been born. We know it. You're here. And the same with a spiritual birth. Some people struggle with this. I don't know if I've been born again. I can't tell. I don't know, Pastor. I'm struggling this hard. Yeah, I know it's hard. But if you're born again, you should know. You should have confidence. There should be a surety, a certainty about it, a security in Christ. What is the proof that you're born again? That you have trusted the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I close with this illustration. A familiar one, but helpful. Have you ever played with a caterpillar before? My kids love to play with caterpillars. Actually, it's not my kids. It's me. I like to play with caterpillars. If I see a caterpillar, I always want to look at it. They're funny little creatures, aren't they? Some of them are real hairy and fuzzy. Some of them are little green little worms, you know. And what's interesting about caterpillars is that they really only do a couple things well. They know how to crawl and they know how to eat. They, they, they can't see very well. You know, they don't produce anything except the excrement out the back end. They don't, you know, offer a whole lot to the world. All they're doing is consuming. Let me find another plant to eat. Let me find another branch, another leaf to consume. And all day long, all this, like Pac-Man, all the time just consuming and getting bigger and growing and not really doing And then one day, what do they do? They wrap themselves up into a little cocoon. The time comes for them to be transformed. And they go into a secret place where magic is happening. Magic. I'm telling you, if you've ever watched it, it's incredible. And time goes by. When they come out of that cocoon, they are completely transformed. No longer just a little worm. No longer a little hairy little consumer. But that thing comes out of there, and like a monarch butterfly, they start flapping their wings and drying them out. And what used to be just a little consuming worm with not much to do in life, all of a sudden it's got these amazing antennas. It's got six legs. But most of all, it's got these beautiful wings. And after a short time, those wings begin to flop. And that little worm that all he could do before was crawl on a branch and eat a leaf, now all of a sudden a monarch butterfly can take to the skies, man, and fly to Mexico. Have you seen that, how they fly to Mexico? They like to go on vacation to Mexico. It's amazing. And there's this one spot that every monarch butterfly in the world will go to this one little area in Mexico. You'll see the picture that they're covering every tree, and they're reproducing, and they're Uh, And they're making new little baby caterpillars. And then after they're done, they fly back to where they came from. Some of them thousands of miles away. Incredible. Can you imagine the change? Tonight, if you've not been born again, can can I just be honest with you? You're the caterpillar. Not much going on. Consumer lifestyle. You know, they call Americans in uh, the economy, the most important people of our economy is consumers. What an insult. All we do is consume, like Pac-Man. But God has more for us. 
If we will go into the cocoon of faith, that's what the altar is for. A place where we surrender ourselves and put our trust in the Lord Jesus. We can be born again. And we can emerge with new purpose, with new desires, with new lifestyle. That old things can pass away and all things can become new. Let me ask you tonight, have you been born again? I'm not asking how religious you might be, how many prayers you might have prayed, how many uh, church services you've been to, but have you been born again? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we consider these things tonight. A major problem in our generation today is people who say that they're born again or people who say that they're Christians but their life is exactly the same. You have a neighbor who never goes to church, never reads the Bible, never prays, but your life isn't all that different from them. That's a problem tonight. Because those who have been born again are truly new creations. I am not the same man that I used to be. My life has been transformed. My desires, my future, my purpose has been transformed. I want to tell you that this transformation is the evidence that God is alive in your life and that he has a new future for you. Tonight, uh, if you are hearing this message and you're unsure, Pastor, I don't know. I've been to church a few times. I've been religious a few times. But honestly, my life has not changed. I don't see a difference between me and the rest of the world on the way to hell. All of our religion, all of our good works, add it up and put it together. Jesus said, if you've not been born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. Never see. Unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot be part of the kingdom. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. But I have good news for you tonight. Later on in this chapter, Jesus made the statement, one of the most famous scriptures in the Word of God. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That incredible love of God which went so far to give his own son on the cross so that you and I could experience this new birth, a new creation, old things passing away, all things becoming new. Tonight, that's what God wants to do in your life. Being born a single time is not enough to enter into eternity. You must be born again. And anything less than born again is not enough. You have either been born again or you have not. There's no in-between. Jesus said that you are either with me or you are against me. You cannot play the fence. In the same way, we say that a woman is either pregnant or she's not. There's no in-between. There's no half-pregnant. There is either born again or there is not born again. And tonight, I want to know I want you to see clearly if you've been born again. 
before we leave this place, here's the hope, here's the miracle, that God loves sinners. There is no one here who is beyond the reach of God's incredible mercy, God's grace and love. No one here who's done things that are bad enough. Listen, if God can save someone like the Apostle Paul, a Christian killer, if God can save a person like uh, that story, like that, like that uh, Nazi sympathizer who became a Methodist pastor, listen, if God can save those people, why can't he save you? Why can't he redeem you? Why can't he change you and cause you to be miraculously changed, transformed? He can. And he will tonight if, if you will approach him with the attitude of faith and trust. Lord, I believe that you're going to do something in my life. I'm believing you tonight. I know that I don't deserve it. But God, you are faithful to your word. And if you will, if you will approach the Lord with a heart of faith, then here's what the Bible says. If we will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess our sins before him, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what's waiting for you tonight. I'm not promising you a beautiful life. I'm not promising you uh, every need and every desire fulfilled. Far from it. I am promising you a life devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, which will result one day in eternity. But before that happens, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all roses. There might be bumps along the way, but I'm telling you this. If you're born again, you will have God as a father. What could be better than that? Tonight, if that's you and you've heard this message and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure, I'm not right with God, but I want to be, this is your opportunity to cry out to the Lord. And if that's you, without anybody looking around for just a moment, a personal moment between you and the Lord, I wonder if you would just do one thing. You'd lift up your hand quickly. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not right with the Lord, but I want to be. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to experience the second birth that you've been talking about. The birth of the Spirit, where God can make me a new person, where He can wash my previous sins away, where He can make me new and set me free. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see it? Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? God's moving on your heart tonight. You feel the presence of God. Thank you for that hand. You feel His love and mercy reaching out to you tonight. And you want to respond in faith. Say, Lord, I need what you're talking about. I see that hand. Someone else quickly. As the Lord leads you, He's calling you tonight because He cares for you. He doesn't want you to be bound forever in sin. There is hope. There is redemption. There is mercy tonight if you respond. Is there anyone else? Quickly. You're running from God, but it's time to stop. You're a prodigal. You know what it's like to be in church, but you know you're not right tonight. Would you... Respond quickly this evening. You lift up your hand. Prodigal son, prodigal daughter. Time to come home. Time to stop running. Anyone else quickly tonight? Lifting up your hand with these honest hearts. Thank you. Thank you for these honest hearts tonight. Thank you for God, what you're doing tonight. Amen. If you lifted up your hand, I want you to do one more thing. Just lift up your eyes and look at me. Lift up your eyes. You're sincere. You're sincere tonight. You're sincere. I want you to come. We're going to pray. Would you stand to your feet? Would you come? We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? 
please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.